we, we do have the best team out there, I think. And I did try dressing the ball that way. It didn't work. But so, uh, yeah, come out and join us. Uh, we need more teams. Uh, we still are a little short, but uh, I think we have 10, 10 teams right now. So we have room for more. It's a good time. It's a lot of fun. And uh, Robin's here to tell you what you can uh, win and what it's all about. Good morning. So um, first off, I want to say if, to those of you that um, are going to come out and join us and you have a team, or even if you don't have a team, um, be sure to register. And if you can, get paid up before you um, come out to the event. You can also pay online to make it more convenient for you. Um, so be sure and uh, um, if you can, just try and get paid up prior. It, it gives us a head count and it helps with registration there. Um, at the table and there will be when you get there at seven o'clock there is a continental breakfast and registration um, a welcome orientation meeting a gunshot start or shotgun, shotgun. start sorry <laughs> dyslexic there <laughs> and then later there'll be a dinner and awards ceremony sorry about that um, anyways contest there's a a $3,500 putting contest. There is a long drive contest closest to the pin, closest to the hole. And there's two new contests that they're putting out there this year. It's called Throw Shot Hole and Chance Hole. We don't know the details of it, but they will let you know exactly what it's all about. So come on out, get your team, so you can find out what those new contests are all about and win some great stuff. Additional contests, we have skins. $20 entry per person, and it's 100% payout. Um, other prizes, we have a 50-inch smart TV, Tiger's tickets, golf clubs, golf bags, a grill, and gift cards, and a whole lot more. So there's tons of prizes to be raffled off for you. There is also a goodie bag, which I call the bag of tricks. And that's $10, and it contains the raffle ticket for the $3,500 dollar um, putting contest, a mulligan, a red tea ticket, and a three-foot string. And this would get you what with all that? Four strokes? Is that Well, correct? it will if everybody buys the bag. Right. So you come and you buy the bag. And remember that it all goes back. It takes a stroke off of each hole. Okay. Um, but all that money goes right back into the youth. So um, it is a fundraiser. So come join us. It's a great time, and it's for a great cause. How do I follow that up? All right, I just have a couple announcements real quick. If you're new to us this morning, you are a guest this morning, welcome. My name is Megan Fondren, and we've been praying for you all week to just have a God encounter here this morning. So if you are new, just take a second to fill out this card from your bulletin. It's our guest card. And before you leave, if you take it back to the far right corner in the lobby as you leave the sanctuary, that's our welcome desk. And you can exchange it for a little gift card to show our appreciation of you visiting with us this morning. And then also I want to make sure next weekend is Father's Day weekend. That's when the golf scramble is. And then that Sunday, the 16th, that's Father's Day. So make sure you remember one service at 10 o'clock a.m. here at the church. And then we're doing like a cookout and a luncheon afterwards with lots of games and also a chance to win prizes. So if you can't make it to the golf scramble, come on to church and you can win prizes that way. So come on out, bring all the dads, all the dad figures in your lives and just have a good time. 
And then the Rwanda missions trip, that's fast approaching, but we're still doing fundraisers for those Bibles that they're handing out while they're over there in Africa. $8 per Bible, you're putting them in the hands of somebody who has never heard the gospel. You are being God's hands and feet here in America by doing that. And then also $4 for bookmarks that you actually get to take a homemade bookmark home with you for $4 and you are planting a fruit tree in Africa that becomes a self-sustainable food source for these people over there. So that's really awesome. Keep up the good work on that. All right, Pastor Tim, you're up, man. So today is Pentecost Sunday. Uh, and uh, there's a, uh, a verse that Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 20. He says, the kingdom of God is not a matter of talk, but power. Does everybody say power? power? Power. That's what Pentecost is all about. It's about power. And if you're new to, uh, uh, you know, to church and you don't know what Pentecost is, I want to give you a brief uh, his, history of what this, what this day is, what it commemorates. But also, more importantly than all of that, is Pentecost is all about experiencing the power of God, not just talking. So we're not just going to talk today. We're going to experience the power of God. And uh, I'm going to try to talk, I'm going to try to keep my talk shorter so we have time to experience the infilling of the Holy Spirit, because that's what Pentecost is all about. And at the end of the service, I want to invite you forward to be anointed with oil and to seek the filling of the presence of God for you, for your life, for your power that you need to live life the way that God's equipped you to live it. And so that's, that's what real, the real point of Pentecost is, is that we are filled with the presence and power of God. So I, I, just, I just think it would be so ironic for us just to have a church service and just talk about it and not experience it. You with me? So at this point, I want to tell you, uh, um, a couple of days ago, we had our son's open house at our house. And you know all the rain that we've been having, and in our backyard, we've got a corner that was just filled with water, just flooded, and it's actually been filled with water and ice and water and ice and water for the last six months, and it never, it never dried out, and so, and then we got all that rain, and then uh, it started to dry out a little bit, and then it filled up again, and we had a big s- storm, was it Tuesday night, I think, and, and then all of a sudden, our back corner's all filled with water, and we got this open house, and we're like, oh, no, so... I, uh, I got a sump pump. I went out to the back corner. Some of you were there, saw, maybe saw some of this. I dug a, dug a hole in the ground, put a sump pump in there, and, you know, got my hoses all hooked up and just started pumping and pumping, and that was enough. So I got another one, and then I got my father-in-law. So I got three pumps out there, three giant holes, just sucking water, sucking water. And uh, anyway, say all that to say this, that when I, when I was uh, uh, here this morning during worship, I actually was thinking about something about the sump pumps and the buckets. And I mean, if you know, God usually speaks to us just through all of our normal, everyday, mundane kind of things. And all of a sudden, we're worshiping the Lord. And, and, uh, and I was thinking about these buckets. So I put in the ground. And when the sump pump would suck the water out of the bucket and the bucket was empty, it, it began to draw the water in. And the bucket would keep filling back up. But it was the vacuum in the bucket that brought the draw of the water. And I was thinking about how Pentecost, it's like um, the people were seeking. If you know the story in the New Testament, uh, Jesus told them to go to Jerusalem 
and don't leave until you are filled with power from on high. That's what he tells them. He said, don't leave until you're filled with power from on high. And they knew what he was talking about. He, he had already taught them that they were going to be filled with the Holy Spirit. So it was the same thing. He could have said it this way. Don't leave until you're filled with the Holy Spirit. Don't leave until you're filled with power. I mean, they knew that's exactly what he's talking about. So the Holy Spirit is, is the power of God, the presence of God in our lives. And so they were there, and we believe um, from scriptures it's clear that they were there for 10 days worshiping and seeking God and drawing on God. So their, their whole part was they were desiring more of God. They were, they were anticipating the, the filling of the Holy Spirit. This has never, ever happened, ever, in the history of humanity, and yet Jesus told them this is going to happen, so they didn't know exactly what was going to happen. They just knew they weren't supposed to leave until they were filled with the presence of God. They didn't know how that was going to happen, what it was going to look like, when it was going to happen, but they were seeking God, and I was thinking about sometimes for us, we're waiting for God to do something, and we're just waiting and waiting and waiting, but there is a part that we play in this, and that is seeking. We need to be an empty vessel, an empty bucket, okay? So what are you filled with? What are you filled with? Because if you want to draw on God, you have to get some stuff out of the way. You know what I'm saying? Uh, A full bucket doesn't fill up, it's already full, but what are you filled with? And I think the challenge every Sunday when we come together and we, we worship and we come together and we try to learn and grow, there's this crazy kind of uh, process that we're, we're in and we're trying to switch our focus from a physical reality of work and how I'm feeling, my body, am I tired, am I rested, am I sore, uh, do I have problems I'm trying to think about? Is there problems in my family? Uh, how are my finances doing? What's coming up today? Is dinner, you know, what are we going to have for dinner? And I got this to do tomorrow. And oh, no, I haven't gotten that done yet. And if it, oh, do I have time to mow the yard before it rains? And so we're like filled with all of these earthly focused reality issues. Okay, and we come to church and we're trying to switch over. Anybody with me here? We're trying to switch. We're trying to like la, la, la to the, you know, to all of our problems and to all the other issues of life. We're trying to set that aside and we're trying to do something like, you know, if you think of a radio, we're trying to tune into a different frequency. We're trying to focus on a different reality and actual higher, more important reality in, it's called the spiritual realm. And we're trying to figure out how to get away a little bit from the earthly you know, realm into the spiritual realm because that's where the life is for us. And, uh, and it's a challenge. It's a challenge constantly for us to, to do that. I don't know about you, but a lot of times how I'm feeling or what, you know, how much I have to do weighs on me so much that it's hard for me to, to leave that stuff alone and begin to focus on, on God in the spirit realm. And Pentecost is all about that being a possibility for you. And it's not an event. It, it, there is an event. I can remind you of what it was. Uh, and I'll, I'll give you a brief history of that in a second. But it was an event, but it was an event in order to create a lifestyle, a completely different experience of living. 
Instead of living on our own now, we are now empowered with the very presence and power of God in us and with us all the time, all the time. And uh, we are right now, we are a bucket, you know, and we are surrounded by a flood of the spiritual power all around us. The spiritual realm is not far, far, far away. It's not way up high somewhere in heaven uh, beyond our reach. The spiritual realm is all around us. The kingdom of God is here, Jesus said. And it is within you and it is among you. It is here. It is talking to you right now. And the presence of God is all around, all around us. And my yard was full with water. Okay. It was all around there. And the bucket was there. And if the bucket would empty itself of itself, then the, the flood, the water would flow into it. And you and I, we could be filled with something that's not uh, allowing God, God's presence to come in. Do you see what I'm saying? So the power of God is all around us. The spiritual realm is, is here right now. And if, if we're filled with ourself, if we're filled with worry, if we're filled with focus on you know, earthly things, then there's no room for God in your bucket, you see. And so I want to go real quick with a, a brief history so we have time to fill our buckets this morning with God, okay? Uh, empty our buckets of ourselves and be filled with him. And so uh, kind of the, the, the Jewish history of things, it started way back, you know, you have Abraham, he had a call from God, and he left his, his, his land, and he came to this area, and God, God began to show him, I'm going to give you all this land, Okay? And we began to call that the promised land. It was the land that God promised to Abraham. And it is current day Israel. And, and even beyond the borders of current day Israel. But it was that whole area in the Middle East. And God said, "Go look as far as you can that way and this way and that way and that way. It's all going to be given to you. I have it. I'm giving it to you and your descendants forever. So Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, three generations. They're growing up. They're wandering through the, through the land and God kept reminding each generation, this is my promise. If you serve me, I'll be your God. You'll be my people, and I'm going to give you this land. He repeated it, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. And then Jacob had 12 sons, and those 12 sons, um, turned, uh, 10 of them turned on the youngest, Joseph. And Joseph was uh, sold into slavery. He went to Egypt. There's a famine in the land. I'm giving you a really quick summary here. If you want to know more details, read Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. Okay. So we're going through the first five books here in five minutes. And so then uh, Joseph is in Egypt. There's a famine in the land. The family comes to Egypt and to get food. And Joseph is the second in power behind only Pharaoh. And so through his relationship and his, his favor, uh, Pharaoh invites the whole family to stay in the land. And so they, they come to Egypt and they begin to multiply. So now we have the 12 sons, which later become the 12 tribes of Israel. They're in Egypt, and after the famine, they did not go back to the promised land, which is a big question I have for those guys when I get to heaven. I'm like, why didn't you guys go back? It was the promised land. But they got comfortable and cozy in the land of Goshen because it was perfect for them and for their cattle, and, and uh, they were shepherds. And so they stayed, hunkered down, and they began to just live and marry and have babies and die and multiply. And uh, Joseph died, and 
the brothers died and Pharaoh died, even though he's a god. And the next Pharaoh came up and forgot all about the, the goodness of Joseph and looked at all these Hebrew people and he got nervous. He's like, man, these guys are multiplying so fast. If we don't put these guys under our thumb, they're going to take over. So he made them slaves. So now they're in the land of Egypt in slavery for 400 years. The, the, this people group is called Hebrews. They're not known as a nation because they've never had a place. They were, you know, wanderers. They never had a place. They, they had been promised a place by God, the promised land. So they're in Egypt, and God raises up Moses. And Moses becomes their deliverer, a foreshadowing of Jesus, who would be our deliverer, who would deliver us out of slavery to sin, who would deliver us from the evil taskmaster of Satan himself, who would defeat him at the cross, set us free, uh, and so that's what, that's what happened. Now, the night that this all happened, after all of this story of, you know, hundreds of years of history, 400 years of slavery, God spoke to Moses and told them, I want you to do this. I want every family to get a lamb, a one-year-old lamb without defect. It's got to be a perfect little lamb. And, uh, and you need to slaughter that lamb, and you need to take some of the blood of that lamb and put it on the door frames of your homes. And... Go inside and do not come out of that home uh, in, until I tell you and eat that lamb, roast that lamb, eat that lamb. It is the sacrificial lamb, okay? And when I, and he says this, and when I see the blood, I will pass over. I will pass over. Now, what was happening was this was the 10th and final judgment plague of God on the Egyptians to set the people free because Pharaoh hardened his heart and would not let them go. So he said, I'm going to judge Egypt tonight, and everybody who does not have the blood of the lamb over their home uh, will experience the judgment of God, and the firstborn son of every home will, will, be, will die. Um, and so, so uh, everybody who trusted in God and who believed in his word did exactly what he said, and they put blood on the door frames of their homes, and they ate the lamb, and they didn't break any of its bones. They had all these instructions, and they did exactly what God said and the, 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 the judgment of God came upon Egypt. And I believe there were even Egyptians that heard of what was going on, and they feared the Lord, and they probably did this too, some of them. Because when, the Egypt, when, when this happened, and it did happen, in the middle of the night, and all the, 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 the firstborn sons were dying, Pharaoh, Pharaoh's firstborn son died, um, they panicked, and they just said, get out, get all the, Egypt, get all the Israelites out of here. Well, they didn't call them Israelites. Get the Hebrew people out of here. And so they left in the middle of the night and they plundered Egypt because whatever they asked for, the Egyptians gave it to them. Clothes, metal, uh, you know, gold, silver, whatever. And they left in the middle of the night. And when they left, the Bible says uh, that later in, in the Bible, it mentions how they had left, but then how do you treat the alien among you? Who were the aliens? They were the non-Hebrews. There were probably some Egyptians and some other people that feared the Lord and had a revelation that this really is the true God of all, all, the, all the world, you know. And so that's kind of a cool idea. Now that day uh, became known as Passover. And God told Moses, you will remember this day. Every year you will celebrate this day because this is the day that I delivered you out of Egypt. And I want you to remember this day and I want you to celebrate this day every year. For your, your, for your existence. Okay, so that became known as the very first of what 
became seven annual feasts or festivals that God instructed the Israelites to have every year. Passover, the first one. And it was on the night that they were delivered. Now, from Passover, um, we're going to fast forward 50 days, 50 days, and that is what is known as Pentecost. Pentecost. 50 is penta, okay? So now there's three feasts that, that, that happened. First of all, the Passover, um, and then there's the, I think it's called the first, uh, and then, then there's a week of celebration called the Feast of Unleavened Bread, and then the first fruits happened a couple of days into that. So within seven or eight days, there became three feasts or special occasions that God wanted the Israelites to remember, okay? But the whole thing could be summarized as the, the Feast of Unleavened Bread, but it started with the day of Passover, and then it had um, a couple of days into it, the first fruits, okay? So those are three. Then 50 days later, Pentecost, and then couple months later, three more feasts within eight days. Now, this is why this is really important. First of all, everybody remembers the significance of the number seven, right, in the Bible. Seven means completion, perfection, uh, and when the seventh and final feast happens, uh, we are all going to be very happy. Because these feasts weren't just historical landmarks in the history of Israel, but when Jesus showed up, he began to fulfill them to their highest foreshadowing. And so when, when the Israelites were uh, set free out of captivity from Egyptians' power, Jesus came and he set us free out of captivity to sin. And um, the Feast of Unleavened Bread was about uh, the yeast in Scripture represents sin, uh, wickedness, and all that. And Jesus was unleavened bread. He was without sin for us. And he took that sin away for us. And you are no longer under sin anymore. You may feel like you are, but that's, that's a feeling. That's not a truth. The truth is, if you've placed your faith in Christ, uh, you are forgiven and you are set free from all sin. You no longer serve sin. Sin no longer has any control over you. You could submit to it if you want to. Um, and when you do that, you're temporarily insane. You've lost your mind. You've, you've, bought, you've bought into the, into the lie. You know, you bit the bait or something. And, uh, but the fact is, it has no more power over you. Aren't you excited about that? And then uh, the first fruits was, um, uh, Jesus is the first fruits of the resurrection. When he raised to life, uh, he, did you know that um, he raised to life on on Sunday, we celebrate Sunday, Easter Sunday. That was the festival of the first fruits. He was the first fruits of life eternal. And because he lives, you will live also. Now, Jesus fulfilled the first three feasts. I just kind of zipped through that really fast. And then Pentecost happens 50 days later. So let's go to Jesus' time. Jesus is uh, having Passover, remember, with his disciples. And in a couple of hours, he will be betrayed. And that night, he will be judged and sentenced. And in the morning, he'll be on a cross. He will die, uh, you know, on that Good Friday. And on the third day, Sunday morning, on the Feast of First Fruits, he will rise again and, be, and, be, uh, and then he will be appearing to, to many people. And for 40 days, the Bible said, for the next 40 days, Jesus had appearances to his disciples. At one point in time, he appeared to a crowd of over 500 people. 
So this just wasn't a couple of people. This was multiple, uh, you know, visitations of Jesus with holes in his wrists. So he wasn't like a, an angelic thing. He was in a body with the holes from the crucifixion. And he was teaching his disciples and he was explaining the fulfillment of what he had just done and what will happen. And so we get most of the New Testament because of those 40 days that Jesus was explaining everything to his disciples. And then they're like, oh, whoa, we see it. And then later they began to write down what, you know, what they understood that Jesus had done. And so then on the 40th day after Passover, after that night that he had dinner with his um, disciples, Jesus ascended into heaven. We believe he blessed his disciples with the priestly blessing. He either did this, because this represents the, uh, the sheen, the letter of God, the name of God, or he did this, and he blessed the people as the priests would have done in the Old Testament, and he, he gave them the blessing I give you every Sunday at the end of the service. May the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace. And he ascended into heaven, and they watched him. And that was on the 40th day. But his last words to them was that blessing. But before that, he said, don't leave Jerusalem until you receive power from on high. Okay, so then 10 days later, Pentecost comes, and that's when the Spirit of God came upon them and filled them with power, with power. Now, the, uh, the Jewish historians kind of retroactively went back into history, and they, they believe that Pentecost was on the day where the Hebrew people were in the desert. They had come out on Passover. They crossed the Red Sea a few days later. They're in the desert. They're meeting with God. And you remember when um, uh, the story when Moses went up to Mount Sinai. That's the day where Jewish, the Jewish rabbis and sages say was the day of Pentecost. That was the first Pentecost, but nobody knew it was Pentecost. Okay, it was kind of like looking backwards and saying, oh, that was about, we believe that was the 50th day when Moses met with God on Mount Sinai. And what happened on Mount Sinai that day? What did God give Moses? He gave Moses the law, the Torah. We think of it as the Ten Commandments, but actually it was, it was a whole lot of information. It's like Exodus chapter 19 to Exodus chapter 30-something. And then it finally says, and then Moses came down the mountain and there's a golden calf. Okay, so there's like 20-some chapters or, or 15 chapters or so of what God spoke to Moses. And it was about all the, tab, the, the temple or the tabernacle, all the priestly functions. It was the Ten Commandments too, but it was all of this stuff. And God made a covenant with the Hebrew people, and that day the Hebrew people became a nation. That was a group of people that, that God recognized and said, you are my people, and you'll be my treasured possession. And he made a, a deal with them as a covenant. It was the strongest kind of commitment that could be made. And he says, if you follow me, and then I will protect you, and I'll be your God, and you'll be my people. And the people said this uh, in Exodus chapter uh, Let's see. I'm looking for my verse. Um, I might just have to paraphrase it for you. I don't know if I wrote it down. Yeah, 
Exodus chapter 19, verse 8. We, the people, we will do everything the Lord has said. And so what happened was, you know, the Bible is divided into two covenants or two testaments. The Old Testament or covenant and the New Testament or new covenant. And this is the Old Covenant. And the Old Covenant was this. Us saying to God, yep, we'll do it. We got it. God saying, you do this? And we said, okay, we can do that. And what happened? We couldn't do it. Couldn't do it. So that was the old deal, the old covenant. We, we had a, a part to play. God had a part to play. We couldn't do it. God knew that was going to happen. It's not, that's why it says before we were even born, before creation was even made, God already had sent his son. He already had the plan to get us, you know, into fellowship with him forever. Okay, so, so that's the old covenant. The new covenant is Jesus came and God uh, made a deal with Jesus. And Jesus said, I'll represent the people and I'll do it, God. Because they weren't able to do it. So I'll do it. So Jesus shows up and he lived perfect life without sin. He was the lamb, the lamb of God, just like the Passover lamb, without blemish. No sin, no blemish, perfect obedience at all times, and he was representing us. That's why it was so important for your theological understanding to know that Jesus was fully man and also fully God. He was fully God, but he set that aside and became fully man to represent you. Say, I got this. They couldn't do it. I'll do it for them. And then he paid the price for us. Isn't that a glorious gospel? That's how much God loves you. So God made a deal with Jesus. So here's the deal, the new deal. The new deal, the new covenant, the new testament is if you, if you will trust in Jesus as Lord, as your covenant representative, if you say, I'm with him, I, I'll serve him, then you're in and you're forgiven and you have fulfilled the covenant promises of God. And if you say, I got this, I don't need that, I don't need him, I got this, then you're, you're trying to fulfill the old covenant and you're in trouble because there ain't no way you're going to be able to do that. You, you weren't designed to do that. You were designed to trust in God. You're designed to experience God's presence in your life. You're designed to have this relationship with God where you know I got nothing without him, I, but I got everything with him and in him and through him. And so, uh, so that's the history of Pentecost is the word came, and then Jeremiah, God spoke through the prophet Jeremiah, and he said this, the days are coming, declares the Lord. This is in the Old Testament, okay, but this is way after uh, Mount Sinai's covenant, okay, and, and God's saying through the prophet, There's, the days are coming when I will make a new covenant with the people of Israel and with the people of Judah. I will, it will not be like the covenant I made with their ancestors when I took them by the hand to lead them out of Egypt because they broke my covenant. Though I was a husband to them, declares the Lord. So he says, it's not going to be like that because I made a deal with them, but they broke it. I'm going to make a new deal, a new covenant. So he goes on to say, this is the covenant I will make with the people of Israel. After that time, declares the Lord, I will put my law not on stones of tablet, but I will put my law in their minds and I will write it on their hearts. 
I will be their God. They will be my people. No longer will they teach their neighbor or say to one another, know the Lord, because they will all know me. Every one of us will know God, will experience God. That knowing in Hebrew is an experience. It's not, a, it's not an intellectual thing. It's an experiential thing. We will experience God. Every single one of us will have this, this experience with God. In Mount Sinai, one guy went up the mountain and talked with God. His name was Moses. Nobody else went up the mountain and met with God. Moses did. And God said, I'm going to make a new covenant. Every one of you will know me. Nobody else will tell you about me because you'll know me. You'll experience me. Okay? And he says, uh, they will all know me from the least to the greatest, declares the Lord, for I will forgive their wickedness and will remember their sins no more. When we see the temple being filled with the presence of God, it happened after they built it and consecrated it and did all of these sacrifices to atone for all the sin, and then it says the presence of God filled the temple. The presence of God filled the temple. This is a, a foreshadowing of God's presence filling you, because Paul says now you are the temple. You're the temple of the presence of God. The temple of God is no longer stones, buildings, tents. It is now humanity. And when the presence of God comes upon the people, is a confirmation of the prophet Jeremiah's words that said, in those days, I will fill you, okay, with my spirit. I'll make a new covenant with you, and I will forgive your sins, and I will remember them no more. When that happens, God will then be able to fill humanity. And it is the greatest confirmation of our faith as Christians, the day of Pentecost, because it proves that the temple here, my heart and your heart, has been cleansed of all sin, because God would not enter a vessel that was not consecrated or holy to him. He would not do that. And when he enters you, even though you may not feel it, you may not think it, it is confirmation that your sins are forgiven, and you are cleansed, and you are a holy people, and you are called, and you are set apart unto God to serve God, like Megan was saying. We all have a purpose in life. And the filling of the presence of God is confirmation that your sins are forgiven. Wow. It's an amazing reality. Amazing. And Ezekiel, the prophet Ezekiel said in in verse 26, the Lord speaking through the prophet Ezekiel, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your, your heart of stone and I will give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees, and be careful to keep my laws. One of the greatest uh, purposes of the Holy Spirit was to take the word of God from the outside and to bring it to the inside. The Holy Spirit is not just about dynamic miracles, which I love dynamic miracles. It's not just about tingly feeling or emotions or things like that, which that's really cool too. But the Holy Spirit's main purpose for coming, the power that Jesus was talking about, was the power for you to be able to actually live out God's blessings. So you'd be transformed, so your heart now would be written with the finger of God. The word of God is written on the inside. The presence of God is with you and in you to empower you, give you power to actually do what we could never do in the Old Testament, which was to obey God and to follow his decrees. We could not do that. 
And now every single time you are relying on the Holy Spirit inside of you, you have power to do what God's called you to do. Every time. Every time you're leaning on his power. But we've got some other kind of powers, don't we? We've got willpower, manpower, you know, I don't know, brain power. We think money is power. And so we lean on these different things. But the spirit is stronger than manpower. It's, uh, it's better than willpower, you know. It's, it's better than, it's wiser than intellectual power. It's better than all the things that we try to generate on our own. That's why I'm saying, what are you filled with? What are you filled with? Because you can be filled with the Spirit of God. You can be filled with power. This is an amazing gift and time that we live in. If you think about this real quick, just to give you the context, the three different Passover, uh, the, the, the week or the, uh, the, the Feast of Unleavened Bread, which is a week, um, and then the, the first fruits, those first three, uh, is all about our salvation and redemption and deliverance, okay? So that's all been fulfilled through Christ. This is what we talk about most of the time here in church. All the Old Testament has been fulfilled in those three, those three, those three uh, feasts and festivals. Then there's Pentecost, okay? And then there's three more that all happened within eight, about 10 days of each other. And this has not happened yet. The foreshadowing has not happened yet because this is the foreshadowing of Christ returning to the earth and gathering together his church, uh, Israel, and the nations. And it's the great in-gathering at the end of humanity, of the end of human history, and the exit of human history and the entrance to eternity forever with him, okay? That hasn't happened yet, but it will happen. When it happens, it's going to be amazing. It's going to happen all boom, 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 boom. Just like it happened when Jesus, within a few days, all these things happened. But in the middle... We are living in a season of Pentecost, okay? We're between these two bookends of the trifecta stuff, okay? And right now, we are living in a time where we are empowered by the Holy Spirit to finish the work of God on planet Earth. This is why we are alive right now. This is the season of human history right now. There are people who have lived before that do not, did not have what we have today. They had a different purpose, but our purpose is to be filled with the Holy Spirit, to be living in the flow of His Spirit and His power, to be doing the works of God. And, and part of that power is for us to be transformed, is for His Word to be upon our hearts, that we are changed. And part of that power is also being a, a conduit of the gifts of God, the, the, all the gifts of the Holy Spirit, Miracles, faith, uh, speaking in new languages, interpretations, prophecy, words of wisdom, words of knowledge, having just a, a supernatural overflow of God himself on the earth, reaching people, touching people. We are, we're the conduit of heaven, aren't we? But if we're filled with pride or we're filled with fear or we're filled with earthly you know, concerns, or we're filled with opinions, and we're, uh, we're filled with other stuff, then what comes out of us is not supernatural. And it's not powerful. And it's not life-impacting or transforming. And so we need to just, you know, we need to empty ourselves and be filled with God 
And so Paul says, be filled with the Spirit. Don't get drunk on wine. Don't be filled with wine, but be filled with the Spirit. When I think about being, getting drunk on wine, I think about all of us uh, in our tendency to, to find little, um, uh, what do you call it? Um, not crutches, but um, things that we rely on. I can't think of the word. In, instead of dealing with problems, we find something else to kind of cover it up. And so sometimes we use alcohol, sometimes we use food, sometimes we use uh, uh, other things, or we do other things, or we just, you know, and we don't want to deal with stuff, or we just want to escape. And Paul says, don't do any of that. Be filled with the Spirit of God. Get your mind off of the earthly things and put it on the heavenly things, right? And be filled with the Spirit of God so you will overflow with Him. And so... Uh, this morning, as I remind, uh, am reminded of the beginning of Pentecost, God told Moses to tell the people to do three things. He said, number one, um, let me get to that spot real quick. He said, consecrate yourselves. To consecrate yourself means set yourself apart. So the people are supposed to set themselves apart and get ready to meet with God. The second thing he told them was to wash themselves, which represents getting repentance and getting cleansed. And, and repenting from our stuff and relying on ourself or what we have done. And, and, and God says, consecrate yourself, be washed, clean, cleanse yourself. And then he says, come with anticipation and expectation. And I think about those disciples in that room for 10 days. They were giving themselves, the Bible says, to prayer, to worship. They were seeking God. They were setting themselves apart. They were, you know, obviously, I'm sure, repentant and and cleansed and focused on the kingdom, and they were anticipating the outpouring of this power of the presence of God. And they were like that bucket. They were getting everything else out of the way, getting emptied out because they were going to draw on God, and they are drawing on him. And when I talk to people about the Holy Spirit and, and some people who've never really experienced the infilling of the Holy Spirit, I say, Jesus tells us this. He says, seek, seek him. Uh, if you seek, you will Find. And if you knock, the door will be opened. And if you ask, you will receive. And did you know that he's saying those words with regards to the Holy Spirit? He's not just saying those things with general prayer guidelines like, yeah, this is how you guys pray. Just ask for what you want, seek what you want, and knock for what you want. It's, it's not in the context of a teaching on prayer. It's in the context of the teaching of receiving the Holy Spirit, whom God wants you to have. That is God. And so what does the Scripture say? What does Jesus said? Seek, knock, ask, suck on God. <laughs> draw on God. Draw on Him. And so if you're hungry, you will be filled. If you're thirsty, you will be quenched. If you seek, you will find. If you draw near, he will draw near. Do you see? And so today, as we conclude our time, let's just take a few minutes just to seek God and celebrate his presence in our lives. You were designed to live in relationship with him and to be filled with him. You are now the temple of the Holy Spirit. When you're squeezed, we want to see God coming out of you. Okay? When the pressures of life squeeze on you, What's coming out? Faith, God, joy, peace.
peace because you're filled with him. And the Bible says, like my buckets, uh, I drilled holes in them too. They leak, you know, and we leak. And so we need to keep being filled and being filled. And Peter, when he said this, to be filled with the Spirit of God, they had this initial amazing reality, this, this event that happened in Acts chapter 2. But when, when we see Peter say that later, to be filled and keep being filled with the Spirit of God, we realize it wasn't just an event for Peter. It wasn't just one day for those disciples. It wasn't just one thing that happened and they kept looking back saying, wasn't it great back in the day when the Spirit of God showed up? It was a lifestyle. It was a new reality that they lived in throughout the rest of their life. They were constantly being filled and walking in the filling of the Holy Spirit. You hear what I'm saying? And so let's continue to be filled with the Holy Spirit. So this morning, um, I asked the, the worship team just to fill this, this place with some worship and let, just take a, let us just take a few minutes to just receive, again, a fresh and anew from the Holy Spirit this morning. So let's stand together and worship the Lord. And if you're hungry, if you want to be filled, if you want more of God, if you're ready to seek Him, if you're ready to draw on Him, I've asked the elders to make themselves available just to come up here. And we have uh, little vials of oil that just represents the Holy Spirit and the anointing of God. And, uh, and, and the Bible often uses oil as an example for us to anoint one another with oil, to break the yoke of bondage off of our lives, but also to welcome the infilling of the Holy Spirit. You'll see the New Testament oftentimes Peter and Paul would lay hands on new believers and they would receive the Holy Spirit. So that's what we want to do. We want to be biblical. So we want to just lay hands on you this morning. If you want the infilling of the Holy Spirit, come forward. We're just going to anoint you with oil. We're going to lay our hands on you. And we're going, to just, we're going to just expect the Holy Spirit to come and fill every hungry heart here this morning. Okay? So elders, would you guys come on up? Uh, just kind of spread out here. And uh, you guys go ahead and lead us in worship. And uh, wherever you are, just want to invite you to worship the Lord. If you want to come forward and be prayed for and anointed, we'd love to do that. And just fill your bucket with the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit. Okay? Let me lead us in a prayer right now. And let's empty our buckets. If you're ready to empty yourself of self-sufficiency, of independence, of opinions, of pride, of willpower, manpower, brain power, you've been relying on your own thinking, your own efforts, your own abilities, all of those things are clogging up your bucket, you're, you're, you're filled up with the wrong stuff, and uh, the first thing we need to do is just say, God, I'm, I'm just, I'm, I'm choosing to empty myself of myself, because I need you, I need you. Let's pray that together. Lord, we come to you today as uh, sons and daughters who are so grateful and thankful for our salvation for you rescuing us out of sin and bondage and darkness, for you giving us a life of freedom and wholeness. But Lord, today, we also thank you that we can have fullness, fullness of your spirit and power. So Lord, we repent from relying on our own means, our own energy, our own thoughts, our own abilities, our own opinions. Lord, we repent for our sinfulness, our waywardness, for not trusting you, for having doubt or fear. Lord, we just divest ourselves. We empty of ourselves of all that stuff right now in Jesus' name. Lord, we receive your forgiveness and we submit to you. We turn our hearts over to you completely. 
God, we want you. We want reality. We want this power from on high. Lord, a supernatural power to be able to live a life of fullness, of joy and peace in you, of wisdom, of power, of impact. Lord, that our lives will be transformed by your hand. We rely on you, Jesus, and what you've done no longer on ourselves. And so, God, this morning, we seek you. We hunger for you. We draw on you. God, fill us to overflowing. Touch us, God. We need you. We long for you, Lord. And so our hearts cry out for you, O oh God. And may, may your spirit continue to fill us to overflowing. And even this morning, for those, for the first time, to experience just the fill, fullness of your spirit. Touch each and every hungry heart, Lord, I pray. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Let's just come forward at this time, and these guys are going to lead us in worship, and we'll do a few minutes together. Just one thing that uh, I just kind of realized through the study of the Torah, that when God said he entered to the Holy of Holies once and for all, the amazing thing that got me he cleansed our conscience. <laughs> the things that we held in our own minds because of the logic that we have. He says, you're free. Your conscience, the things, the guilt, shame, condemnation, rejection, the unforgiveness, that conscience is cleaned. It's made right. So you can walk with the wholeness of God in your life just by receiving what he has for you. Spirit of the living God, Spirit of the living God, we only want to hear your voice, we're hanging on every word. Spirit of the living God, Spirit of the living God, we want to know you more and more, we're hanging on every word. When you speak.